0: You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church Podcast. Good morning, everyone. Good It's good. to hear people talking, but not all of <laughs> um, Yeah, I'm really looking forward to um, what we're going to be looking at shortly. Um, really, um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there, but it should be great. Um, yeah, you've all probably been coming from all sorts of different directions, starting to get the, the traction back into um, normal everyday life. And, um, yeah, what the Lord uh, just laid on my heart to speak on was actually holiness. There's not much excitement out there. Uh, so it was actually holiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got some, some mixed responses. Um, But it's interesting, I've been thinking a lot and the Lord's been um, opening my eyes to see things um, in the scripture um, and experience the reality um, of holiness in my life more and more, not to say that I'm holier than (laughs) now. no, I just want to, um, I really want to honour the Lord and that's what I see in scripture. So, I just want to read out to you some of maybe how, when you think of, being a holy person, some of apprehensions you might face or feel or experience. There's probably a whole lot more. These are just ones that have come to my mind, and some of these I've experienced for myself. Um, so one reaction, you know, when you think about holiness or trying to be holy or, or doing that kind of thing, is oh man, like pff, that's so much work to be holy. I don't know if I could really be bothered. I'm going to get to heaven anyway, so when I get there, you know, I'll be perfect. It'll all be sorted. You know, so you know, I'll have, a, I'll have a bit of a crack, but, you know, I'll wait till I get to heaven and then I'll be perfect. Um, so that's maybe one thing um, that we can think when we, we think of holiness. Another reaction that we might have, you might have, or I have had, is this one. Um, I don't actually want to be too holy, because if if I become a really holy person, like, you know, just squeaky clean, then my non-Christian friends, they just, they won't be able to relate to me. They'll find me, you know, a freaky weird Christian who prays and reads their Bible all the time and I really want to see them come to know the Lord. Like, how can I relate and bring the Gospel message to them if I live a holy life? You ever felt that? Maybe, um, some murmurs? <laughs> Don't put your hand up. <laughs> I've felt that. I've felt that at times. Um, another thing is this, um, which has also been a struggle of mine at times, um, but it, is this about holiness. If If I really man, if I really pursue a holy life, if I desire to be a godly person and to live just so consistently and after the Lord, then I'm, I'm actually, I just don't know what's going to happen to my friends, my family, how they react, how they receive me. Like, you know, it means changing how much of I, so much of how I live in a daily way that if I do that and the people who I'm living with, you know, my friends, my family, I'm rubbing up against all the time, they'll just feel like, man, I don't want to be around Oliver, you know, he's just now, you know, so much better than me, and, you know, there's this kind of distancing that happens, and there's, for me, I've experienced this, a fear of loss of relationship, especially of people who you hold dear. I don't know if you've thought of that, maybe this is a bit subconscious, and I might be bringing it a bit forward by saying these things, but maybe you've really thought about these things yourself. Another one might be this, you know, I've really tried to be a holy person, I've genuinely tried, i really wanted, I, I want to I be godly, I want to love the Lord in that way, but I, I just, I can't. I've tried, I just can't seem to do it. You know, there's, you know, I might get, you know, nine of my ducks lined up in a row and the tenth one just keeps falling down every time. There's a certain area of my life, whatever it might be, that I can just not, and then it just makes me want to throw in the towel everywhere else. You ever felt that? Yeah, some more murmurs. Don't stick your hand up. I just... um, I want to say to these things, and I I don't want to um, come from like a a downward place because I've experienced some of these things myself in my own walk in pursuit of holiness, okay? But I I just want to say very uh, kind of clearly, just be, be wary and be careful because there's lots of things that are actually permeating... The Christian world that are kind of stewing in a pot and we're not, we can at times fail to think through clearly and to hold how we live up to the light of Scripture and then we live in a way that is actually not in line with Scripture and so for example, let me just take an example, I might be um, really wanting to reach out to my non-Christian friends and then I don't pursue holiness because I want to be able to relate to them, okay? So that might be me and and I might not have really thought about that very clearly or had a look at the Scripture and really, really gone through it in detail. But as I live like that, that stews, it permeates, it, it begins to manifest out among others and we're all stewing together. We are family and it's so great to be family. Like, Andrew was praying for us as a community and it's so important. And I tell you what, I've let many of you out as well, but I'm so glad to be part of this family here. But I tell you, it is important... Um, that we seek to live after the Word of God and after His Spirit, because we can just, just by the stew of what's happening in each other's lives, just take on things that are actually not of the Lord. Does that make sense? Yep. So just really keep that in mind and and test everything by the Scripture. I remember I've been to um, a Bible study once, and, and uh, we were going through something, I can't remember what it was, and I just noticed as we were talking about a particular topic, everyone was just kind of saying... Things and they were all good things, but then I realized, wait a second, these are the opinions of these people. These are like, is this coming from the scripture? And then I thought about it and prayed, and you know, bang, a scripture would come to mind. And this is the Holy Spirit often triggering these scriptures. And I'd be like, oh, actually, that's, that's out of line, or that's out of whack, or you know, I see that scripture and, and you can test it like that. So just be in the word as much as you can and seek to do that. And yeah. Seek a holy life, but I just I thought what I'd start start off by is just trying to adjust our paradigm more scripturally. Okay, Um, so some of these things, and this is if you start feeling guilt at any time during this, that I'm is my desire not for that to happen. I don't believe that is of the Lord, and if it is, just ask the Holy Spirit to take that away, please. If there's any guilt that comes at any point, even if it's already happened right now. ask ask the Holy Spirit and say, take that away from me, please. Because the guilt will distort and you won't be able to really hear what the Lord has wanted to speak forth um, as I pursue to speak that forth. Um, But, yeah, if we we have this mentality of, oh, I can't really be bothered about holiness. You know, I'll wait till I get to heaven. I remember... um, when I was in high school, I had a friend, she was kind of in church and associated, and a leader in the youth group and stuff, and I remember her saying, oh, I don't really care how I live, it was something to this effect, I don't really care how I live, I'll just ask for God's forgiveness, you know, after I've done everything, and that's kind of, that'll be fine, and it's that sort of mentality, and I just want to read to you from Scripture, I feel that that is very dicey, very dicey, If if, if you're... Thinking or feeling or living like that, it's very dicey, and the the Scripture is very weighty, like there's some very heavy things. So i just read to you, this is from Hebrews uh, chapter 10, verse 26, Uh, and I'll be flicking through the Scripture a lot, keep up if you can, if you can't, just follow along, I'll read out. Hebrews 10, uh, verse 26, if we deliberately keep on sinning, after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. I'm not saying this. This is what it says in the scripture. You can read it for yourself. No sacrifice for sins is left, but only fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. This is in the New Testament. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. And here's the punch. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? who is treated as an unholy thing, the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and who has insulted the spirit of grace. It's very heavy words. And I just, I want to say that with the force that it is in Scripture, that if if you're in that place where you have a, a not, I can't be bothered mentality to holiness, I just, there's this might not be but it seems like it could be in that direction if we deliberately keep on sinning if you're just in that place where oh, i can't really be bothered i'll just there is some a very clear warning in hebrews and that is kind of the extreme end of this spectrum at the other end more lighter end in regards to this this is from matthew chapter 5 verse 19 jesus says this Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments, so the least, the least important commandment, and teaches others to do the same, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. So, there's some weighty warnings in the Scripture that we find about kind of deliberate sin, about kind of intentionality. If, if there's um, a, a breaking of these commandments and teaching others to do the same, there's some heavy stuff that's said. So I just want to say that as a warning, straight up, um, and and just ask that you wouldn't feel guilt if that's you in that situation. That's not of God. Again, be be warned and adjust your life accordingly. I've been warned many times in my life <laughs> as I've read the scripture, and I've done my best to adjust my life. That's that's what the Lord is wanting us to do: adjust our lives. Okay. Um, I want to apply again to scripture this so. I don't want to be holy because of my non-Christian friends. How will I reach them? So um, this is James uh, chapter four, verse four. James write this, writes this: You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. There's no kind of black or white here. Jesus said about money, you'll love the one and hate the other if you're, you're either friend of the world or friend of God. You, can be, you can't be a friend of the world and a friend of God. Friend of the world, James says, is hatred toward God. So another picture that someone gave me about this is it's kind of like if you're wanting to reach your non-Christian friends, okay, you do not know their hearts and what's deep down, but the Lord does in their hearts. And holiness is like a light, Right? The brighter you turn it on, and the brighter it shines, I'm not going to look at that because I have <laughs> already got a thing in the middle of my vision. Um, but yet yeah, the brighter the light shines, the intensity of the reaction is more tense among um, cockroaches and moths, okay? So when there's no light, cockroaches and moths will just do their own thing. You turn a light on, and some of the cockroaches might scurry away from the light, and the moths might flock. You turn that light up, And what's going to happen? All the mice are going to be like, whoa, I love that. The cockroach (laughs) goes, you know, away. And that is the same thing when our lives are holy. You see that with Jesus Christ. There was such extreme reactions to him. Some people tried to kill him. They wanted to murder him. They set him up, completely um, accused him falsely, all sorts of things to kill him. That's the cockroach reaction. And the, the other reaction is someone like Zacchaeus, you know, who gave, can you imagine giving away half your wealth to the poor? Think about how much that is financially right now. Give it a dollar figure and give away half your wealth to poor. <laughs> like, that's what Zacchaeus did. And that was a moth reaction to the light, to the holiness of Jesus Christ. And so, as our lives are turned up in holiness, that reaction is intensified. So, if you're wanting to reach your non-Christian friends, think about that. That Jesus Christ, He never would have said, oh, you know, how can I reach Zacchaeus? You know, maybe I'll just come and... No, He never once let go of His holiness in order to reach a person. Another thing is, uh, that we find with holiness is this, you know, I'm afraid of what uh, people, uh, the people who have value, how they react to me, what they'll do, um, that kind of thing. Yeah, fear is a powerful thing, and uh, it's used a lot um, by Satan, I believe. Um, But there's something, and I think Sam may have read this out a few weeks back in a sermon, maybe months. Um, but this is from 2 Timothy 3:12. Paul writes this: "In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Holiness is not for the faint-hearted, <laughs> and there's a process, you know, of, of growing into holiness. But if you have a fear of how you might lose friendship or that kind of thing because of being more holy, then um, that's going to be part of the cost of holiness. Jesus said a prophet is never accepted in his hometown. He went back to Nazareth and they tried to throw him off a cliff and kill him. It's amazing. He walks straight through the crowd. But there's this reaction or rage against that we can have by loved ones against holiness. And that is what the Scripture says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And it, in order to pursue holiness then, the important thing is to have our love perfected. John writes um, that perfect love drives out all fear. So if you really have a deep and great love for people, you will continue to pursue holiness because that will overcome the fear that you have of losing that relationship. Does that make sense? Yeah, a few more murmurs. Good. Talk to me, talk to me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just want to give you an an example of that, seeing that work out from Scripture. So 1 John uh, chapter 3, and this is verse 12. And it's talking about Cain and Abel. You remember Cain and Abel, sons of Adam and Eve, and Cain kills Abel, takes him out in the field and kills him. In 1 John, um, we read this about that. 1 John chapter 3 verse 12. Do not be like Cain... Who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Question mark. Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. If you're an evil person and there's a good person around you, man, that makes you feel so bad. You feel so intensely more, there's like this self-loathing perhaps that almost comes. You you can feel that, you know, if you're an evil person and there's this really wholeness around you. There's this self-loathing that comes and you react against that and pour out. And that's what Cain did to Abel, it says. And that's the reaction that we see. Anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. There's this reaction against purity and holiness. And ultimately, it's a reaction against God Himself. Because I've ever been singing, you know, God is the Holy One. What about those of you who've, you know, attempted holiness and just found it generally too difficult, too hard? Well, we're going to be tackling that in a bit more depth in the, later on in the sermon. I'm looking forward to that section. Um, But let's go have a look and see now. Okay, trying to, again, create a scriptural paradigm of holiness. Let's not pander to the fears, um, worries, and things of moving forward in holiness. Let's move that aside with the scripture and let's receive the scripture's teaching on holiness, all right? See what I'm doing here? Kind of, yeah. (laughs) Good. Hope you haven't fallen asleep on me yet. So, I'll just read to you from Revelation 4, verse 8. Um, and this is just a picture of God. Just a picture of God. <laughs> what a word, just. This is an awesome picture of God. Each of the four living creatures, so this is, uh, they're described in the verses before, had six wings and covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. And it says, Day and night they never stop saying, never ever stop saying, day and night, day and night. And this is what they say. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Your God is a holy God. Can you hear the ringing of those seraphim in your spiritual ears? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. These four living creatures say that day and night, you have a holy God, you have a holy God, I have a holy God. Um, In Hebrews, we read this, so this is like, so that picture of holiness, God in Himself is holy and He is seeking and desiring His people to be holy. Um, This is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14... I'll just read the second part of the verse. It just simply says this, Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And it is as we pursue holiness, as we pursue to become like God in His holiness, in His almighty power in who He is, that we get a clearer picture and understanding and image of who God is, and we become increasingly like Him, like Jesus. See that? Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Or Jesus says it like this in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Can you see that? Holiness is needed to see the Lord. Who here would like to see God? Yeah. Who here would like to be holy? Ah, good. Probably had a similar amount of hands, yeah. (laughs) All right. Um, Okay, so we need holiness to see God. Come to 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, verse 3. I try and use the Scripture so much so that what I'm saying is not going to rest on my kind of well-crafted sermon, my wise words, but so that what I'm, what I'm saying, if you choose to put your faith in what I'm saying here, that it rests upon the Word of God. So that's why I'm trying to saturate with Scripture and again, create this paradigm. Cool? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jeanette. Yeah. Great. Okay, so 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3 it reads like this. You know how um, I've thought of this a lot, but as a young person, I was like this, um, and I still am to some degree, but you know, I want to know God's will for my life. Tell me what, if you want to know God's will, read this verse, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. Wow, who wants to know the will of God for their life? Pursue, pursue sanctification, pursue holiness, and as you understand and live out the reality of that sanctified holy life and you walk in the will of God in that way, I believe that He will increasingly reveal His um, specific will for you, if there are things that He chooses to reveal. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control His body in a way that is holy and honourable. God's will for you is to be holy. If you want to see God, be holy. If you want to do the will of God, be holy. Let's have a look at one more. Uh, This is from 1 Timothy, uh, chapter 2, verse 2 to 3. Sam also preached on this passage. (laughs) And uh, Paul's just talked to Timothy about praying for kings um, and all those in authority, that we might live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Saviour. Peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Saviour. Holiness brings pleasure to God. You've heard it said, um, God will not love you any more or any less, depending on what you do. But depending on what you do, you can bring God pleasure. Many of us know how to please our earthly fathers, Father's Day. Grab a nice new tool. You know his favourite uh, wine, perhaps. Do you know how to please your Heavenly Father what lights His face up, what brings Him joy as He looks upon your life from the heavens. One of those things that brings His pleasure is this. Peaceful and quiet lives lived in all godliness and holiness. Isn't that just, it just sounds lovely, doesn't it? It just blesses your heart just even hearing it. Imagine what it's like to live it. <laughs> so, God is holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. We need holiness to see God. If you'd like to see God, be holy. If you'd like to do God's will, be holy. It is God's will that you, will be sancti- you should be sanctified. And if you'd like to please your Heavenly Father, again, be holy. Holy, holy, holy. <laughs> now, if I stop right there, you could probably call me a Pharisee. And I'll explain to you why. Jesus said to the Pharisees, Woe to you because you tie up heavy loads for people to carry and you do not lift a finger to help them carry it. Now, I've just tied up this nice, big, heavy load of holiness and placed it on your shoulders, haven't I? I've said, be holy, pursue holiness. But I tell you what, there is an amazing and powerful and life-changing, I tell you what, hear me, life-changing difference between the old covenant and the new covenant, okay? And... In the Old Covenant, that's all I could have done for you. I could have just preached holiness like that and said, that's it. Guys, go out and do it. Do the best you can. In the New Covenant, God helps you to be holy. So, you've heard, you know that um, God says, um, it is only by grace that we are saved, okay? Only by grace that we are saved. We have salvation through God's grace alone. Do you know that you have holiness only by grace alone as well. So we are saved, we will enter into heaven only by the grace of God. You are only able to live a holy life here on earth by the grace of God. If you try and do, if you try and live a holy life any other way, not by the grace of God, you are living as you were, as it was under the old covenant. You're making attempts to fulfill the law, to be a holy person. But God has come that you might have life and life to the full, and and He's come to make a way for us to live a holy life. So, I'll read to you um, from John, um, chapter 16, and this is Jesus teaching about the Holy Spirit, it's got to be qualified, it came from Jesus, John 16, verse 14, He's talking about the Holy Spirit, right, and He says these words, He, the Holy Spirit, will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I've said, the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Now, it might have all just whooshed over your heads, but I just, I'm going to really try and make this point to you strongly, because I I don't feel it comes through clearly enough, and indeed, I've been fumbling around in a lot of my Christian life, and only in the last few years beginning to discover that holiness is by the grace of God, right? Right? So let's read these words again. The Holy Spirit will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine. So that's um, Ephesians describes in chapter 1, I think verse 3, that we have been blessed in the heavenly realms with all spiritual blessings in Christ. Um, Some of us want financial blessing, you know, like, man, that would just fix my ways. If I had 10 million bucks, bang, you know, we'd have this new property done, you know, I'd be able to buy that house I'm looking for or whatever, you know, help out all my family. i tell you what. There is nothing that will bless your life more and enable you to live in a freer and perfect and, as it was intended way, than spiritual blessings in Christ. And it says that we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. But it's a matter of laying hold of those blessings. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He will bring glory to me from taking what is mine, all those spiritual blessings, and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from mine and make it known to you. So, God sent His Son Christ in His life, suffering, death, resurrection, and ascension, all of that. There's a lot packed into those words, <laughs> and I'm still learning a lot about all of those things. But in that process, God secured spiritual blessing for His people. He secured salvation, He secured a way for us to live holy lives by His power. But it wasn't until the Holy Spirit came in Pentecost that the Lord was able to minister that out into the lives of His people by the power of His Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Hopefully. Okay, I'm going to try and describe that a few ways and places. But learn to commune, to, to talk to, to with the Holy Spirit. You will not receive a single iota of what you have in Christ Unless you commune with the Holy Spirit, he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. So, I thought, well, I believe it was the Holy Spirit who thought of this image, so let me show you. i prepared this. You didn't know that he was here the whole time, did you? Imagine that, just pulled out a huge, over six foot star picket and pole driver, is this called a pole driver, Graham? Yep, pole driver. Okay, so the image that came to my mind was this, and it came to me because during my holidays I was on a farm helping um, a farmer build a fence out of star pickets, right? And most of you probably have never had to use one of these before, so, but don't worry, the illustration won't go over your head. So you basically drive these things into the ground. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. My wife said that I don't have a Hallelujah shirt on today which is when you lift your hand up really high and expose something below. So I hope you all looking up the top where I was. But, um, and don't go and watch this back on the video now just to see that part. But how you can, you can see how you get this in, right? You lift it up and whack it down, which I won't do because we don't need a star picket here. But you whack it down into the ground and you drive it down by continually, oof, oof, makes a lovely ringing sound. And I'm only doing that softly, right? So let's say... The Holy, God wants you to build a fence. Maybe that's happened in the history of man, I don't know. But He wants you to build a fence. He got uh, the Israelites to build a wall, there you go. (laughs) But He wants you to build a fence out of star pickets. It's two K's along around this property, and He gives you everything, He's given you all the star pickets and the pole driver, and you go and get to work, right? You line the first one up, balance it all up, and you go, with all your might, whack. And you whack for about I don't know, 30 seconds, trying to drive this thing in. You look down, and it's gone in this far. You're like, mate. So you keep whacking away, and it goes in a bit further. And you think, this is going to take me all day. So you just, but the Lord's asked you to do it. So you do your best to be faithful, right? Remember, this is an image relating to how God um, has enabled us to live holy lives, right? So you're whacking these things in, and man, you're working your guts out, and you're finally go for your lunch break, and you have a look back at your work. The ground's a lot harder than you anticipated, right? You have a look back at your work. You've managed to get five pickets in from, you know, eight o'clock in the morning until lunchtime. Two of them are all the way in. One is completely bent. (laughs) Another one, and the last two, are kind of half driven into the ground. You're like, mate, this is going to be a fantastic fence. (laughs) You just feel like giving up from the start, don't you? Okay, then in the lunch break you realise that the Holy Spirit, work with me here, is sitting on a truck, a tractor actually. And um, you ask him, can you give me a hand? He's like, sure, I'd love to. He comes over with his tractor and he says, take off your little wacky thing. You're like, okay. So you take it off like this, your little wacky thing. That was the technical term, wasn't it, Graham? Pole driver. And he comes up and this is what I did on my holiday with a farmer. I held the star picket there and he came up with his tractor lifted up his bucket from the tractor, you know, the big thing that picks up dirt, and just went like this and pushed it down and it went in so fast, it was like a knife into butter. Imagine that. And you're like, wow. And the Holy Spirit says, get to the next one. So you quickly run over, grab the next one and you're holding that up. And he just comes over with his bucket. And that, brothers and sisters, is a picture of what God has done for us in the New Covenant. In the Old Covenant, man, we were whacking. The the people of God were whacking as hard as they could, you know? And some people, they even did pretty well. They thought they were comparing themselves to their neighbours. And we do that ourselves in New Covenant times. We compare ourselves to neighbours. Oh, look, I've got seven pickets in and I only bent none, (laughs) you know? And we think ourselves so good. Holiness is not about that in the New Covenant. Holiness is done by the grace of God. We live holy lives by the grace of God. Do you see here how the heavy load of holiness is being dispelled? It's not tied up as a heavy load on your back, but actually the Lord Himself comes and lifts you up to bear that load. He, he provides the way. Okay, I want to give you a concrete example um, of this from my life, right? I don't know if you ever look at your calendar... And you just suddenly realize, oh, no, I just organized the perfect storm of events. Like, I just so overcommitted, overbooked, bit off more than I chew. And you just look and you've got this week coming up and it's going to be crazy. Ever had that feeling? More murmurs? Good. Um, I had that. Um, Like last year... (laughs) I had um, my final essay due for my um, degree, and it was the biggest essay I'd ever have to write, over twice the size of any other essay. It's 5,000 words, right? Due in on Friday. like, okay. Um, Then, on the Saturday, Dawn and I had decided that we would host um, the MST, my Bible college community, to a barbecue breakup lunch for the year. So I had to make sure the grass was mown, set up all the chairs and tables, get everything ready for that, right? That was the Saturday. And then on the Sunday... I'd committed to preaching. So, I suddenly, like, looked at my calendar and realized, oh, 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 it was just, you know, it gets like that. It just feels so heavy you're like, oh, man. Anyway, I was planning through my week, knowing that I had to, you know, do as much as I could early on before I got there. And I got, I think it was, (laughs) and then everything happens. My brother calls and he's like, "Um, I'm going to propose to my... To my girlfriend on uh, Thursday, do you think you can come? (laughs) I'm like, yeah, could there be another day later that would be better? No, this is the only day his family's in uh, Gippsland, in Maffra, and they're all coming down to special. I'm like, hmm, I'll be there. (laughs) Um, And then I had uh, something on the Thursday night, Um, or maybe it was a different day, but um, it was a course I was doing. I was like, should I just not go to one night of this course? I don't know. No, no, I believe I should go. So I went to both these things that cropped up as well during the week, just to add to my craziness. And I had this kind of clear shot on the Thursday to get as much done as I could before it was due on the Friday midnight, right? So on the Thursday, I cranked out as much as I could. I went into Bible college and just ploughed through, went off to my brother's um, proposal. That was a great time, came back, ploughed through. And at the end of the day, I'd written 500 words. (laughs) And I was hoping to write 1,500. The most that i would ever written on any essay in one day up until that point in time was 1,000. Those of you who are studying, don't take lessons from me. <laughs> Try and space it out more. Okay, so I have now uh, 2,500 words to write in one day on Friday. Remember, the most I've ever written and I was cranking it in one day was 1,000 words, right? Okay, see the perfect storm? You're like, yep, yeah. sit on the edge of your seat. So was I. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, mate. Anyway, as I was thinking, I was reflecting and I was praying. And I thought, Lord, you know what? I could have not gone to my brother's engagement party, uh, proposal. I could have not, you know, gone to this course. Um, I could have done other things. But no, I believe that it was right of me to go to these things. And this is how much time I've got left. All right, let's do this. So it was like I just... How can I describe it to you? I'm like, Lord, help me. Help me. Help me to have peace. That was like my number one thing. Because you know when your mind spins out, it's like exam pressure as well, or any pressure, your mind just spins out and you go crazy and you're just useless. I was like, help me to have peace. So I sat and I wrote this essay, and I finished it off that night. I tell you what, with perfect peace, did not worry at all the whole day. Dornie can testify to this, if you'd like, you can ask her. I even had times, I took breaks, went up, had a cup of tea, played with Hadassah, and I smashed out 2,500 words. (laughs) You know who you're applauding there? The Holy Spirit. You're applauding the Holy Spirit, because me, on my own, whack, 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 I'm getting nowhere. Holy Spirit comes along, Oliver, let me put that 2,500 words down for you, bang. Glory to the Lord glory to the Lord for that. So, I've relied on Him, right, and for the sermon, I had to get the details out to the church, all I'd given them was the Bible passage and the title, and that was it, I hadn't touched it till then. On the Saturday, I woke up, started mowing, doing this stuff in the grass, and I realized I was starting to get stressed that I was mowing. I was getting frustrated, and I was like, Lord, where's this coming from, in my, in my mind, praying to Him. And I realized that I wanted to look my place to look so good and so perfect that I was taking all this detail and trying to look at, you know, and I put this weight on my shoulders, and the Lord was like, you don't need that, Oliver. You don't need to try and impress people. Just take that off. And so I was like, Phew. so I just relaxed into the mowing again, you see how the peace was being stolen, but the Holy Spirit helped me to restore it? He helped me to see that? Okay, so then I have a bit of time in the afternoon to write this sermon for the Saturday. Wrote the sermon. Um, again, the Holy Spirit really helped me to do that. Saturday night, uh, we had the barbecue. It was a great time. Sunday, I went to the church and preached a sermon. And it was like, how did that happen? How did it happen? Yeah, by the grace of God. It was the Holy Spirit. Do you want to live a holy life? You cannot live a holy life. But God has made a way in these last times, in the new covenant, that you might be holy. Do you want to do the will of God? Do you want to please God? Do you want to see God? Be holy. And you don't even have to work hard at it. You just have to hold the star, pick it up. I think you can all do that, but you see what happens, holiness is actually not so much about trying to be a good person, in fact, it's really not that much at all, it's, it's more about learning how to let the Holy Spirit, how to, how to be led by the Holy Spirit in your life, how to let the riches, the great riches in this storehouse that Christ has worked you know, just be manifest in our lives with the Holy Spirit. You know, what, you know what the interesting thing is? Imagine like you've worked that whole day on the star pickets and the Holy Spirit's just come and drove me on the tractor and you're like, at the end of the day, how are you feeling? Uh, this is how I was feeling at the end of that Sunday. I was just like, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. You know what the Holy Spirit says when you say, say thank you to Him? He says, oh, don't thank me. He points to Jesus and says, He bought it. He bought it. And Jesus says, oh, don't thank me. It was His idea. He sent me. He points to the Father. And you see that trinity at work? It's beautiful, isn't it? It's lovely. Glory to God. And that then, as you walk in holiness by the power of God, you will overflow with thanksgiving to Him. You can already smell it, can't you? Like spiritually smell it. Like just the fragrance of that in your life. Wow, powerful. Um, Some of you guys might... Um, have noticed <laughs> that's probably anyway, I'll leave that there um, that Stuart's been um, putting on his blog, uh, blog some of Watchman Knee's book, Normal Christian Life and um, I'm just going to read a bit, to, uh, bit of this um, to you now. If you would like to um, further your walk in holiness, um, I would recommend this book. It's called The Normal Christian Life excellent title. Everyone can hold the star pickets up. It's that simple. And this has really helped me in laying hold, and I'm rereading again. And you'll see sometimes quotes on Stuart's blog from this book. But Nee says this, living in the Spirit means that I trust the Holy Spirit to do in me what I cannot do in myself. This life is completely different from the life I would live naturally of myself. You can see all that now, can't you, what he's describing, yeah? Each time I'm faced with a new demand from the Lord, I look to Him to do in me what He requires of me. It's not a case of trying, but of trusting. Not a case of struggling, but of resting in Him. If I have a hasty temper, impure thoughts, a quick tongue, or a critical spirit, I shall not set out with a determined effort to change myself. I shall not set out with a determined effort to change myself. That's old covenant folly. But instead, reckoning myself dead in Christ, he unpacks that more, and there is a lot in that one sentence, but reckoning myself dead in Christ to these things, I shall look to the Spirit of God to produce in me the needed purity of humility or meekness, confident that He will do so. This is what it means to, and he quotes from Exodus 14:13. this is what it means to stand still and see the salvation of Jehovah, which He will work for you. Isn't that lovely? Let me read to you just from Galatians, I'm about to wrap. Uh, this is Galatians chapter 5, and Paul says here in verse 16, so I say, live by the Spirit. Don't just come on a Sunday and, and hold the star pickets up. Don't just do it when you're at work trying to put on a good show, or live make this the way you live, learn how to live, this is holiness. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. You will not. If you're living by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. See that? It just completely removes that baggage of law, of trying, of hard work. Gone. If you are led by the Spirit, only if, if you are not, you're probably still under the law. You're probably still trying to be good. Can you feel the heaviness, the weight? I've been weighed down by it myself and I'm learning how to be led by the Spirit. If you are led by the Spirit... You are not under the law. Hear the freedom of that. And he goes on in that very well-known passage, a few verses later, to say this, the fruit of the Spirit, the natural by-product, what's going to happen? Just all this behind me. Abide, fruit, glory. The fruit of the Spirit. What's going to happen? Simply as you hold those star pickets up. It is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. May that fruit of the Spirit be ministered into your lives and may the desire for the delight of those things compel you on towards holiness by the power of God. Um... I'm just going to close uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 7, um, but before I do that, um, tonight, if you are interested in pursuing holiness more and you struggle with your tongue, <laughs> and you find it difficult to control your tongue, um, I'm going to be talking on uh, having a holy tongue tonight. So, uh, feel free to come along to that. Um, But yes, let me close with this passage from 2 Corinthians 7. Since we have these promises, dear friends, these promises, the riches of Christ made manifest by the Holy Spirit. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. out of reverence for God Heavenly Father I just you know Lord that I'm learning I am still learning and at times I try and go back to my old pole driver try and get glory for myself or whatever it might be that drives me back there, fear but I'm learning Lord and you're showing me how to just simply hold those star pickets up that your Holy Spirit just comes along with that nice big tractor bought by the blood of Christ and the life of Christ sent by the Father and just drives that picket straight into place. So easy and I thank you Lord that you've shown me some of what that life is like and I confess to you that and you know this Father, I don't live like that all the time but I want to Lord and this is holiness as you have shown me. It is learning to live led by your Spirit. Lord, and I pray for your people here today, my brothers and sisters, your children. Lord, for those who have a deep longing in their hearts for holiness, and I believe we all do, Lord, because that is how you intended us to live. Lord, that they would learn, that they would seek from the Scriptures, Lord, reading through Romans, reading through Galatians, finding books like Watchmenia, whatever it is, Father, but a craving would well up from within them that they would satisfy themselves on the spring of living water and that they would be able to live that out and be blessed by that. Lord Jesus, we give you great thanks for purchasing all of this with your precious blood and um, that was a massive cost. Thank you, Father, as well for sending your son. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you dwell and live with us now that we might enjoy these riches for your glory, that we might be thankful, that we might glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.net.